Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning, and welcome to our show. We are going to be talking today about writing. And more importantly, after the value of writing and the benefits of writing, we're going to talk about publishing and entrepreneurship and a combination of using skills learned in the military and those that were gained later or really part of life all the way along. Because writing can be very cathartic, it can be very creative, and it can also be an entrepreneurship business for you. So we're going to be talking with Jeff Hopf today, and we welcome you to our show. Well, hi, Linda. Thank you very much for having me on. You're very welcome. I have loved reading your story. And by the way, if you're near a computer, you can go to gmichaelhopf, that's H-O-P-F dot com. Michael was a Marine and it has a fascinating story of his background and how he came to do a lot of different things, settling ultimately on being an author, a very successful author. So, Michael, go back when you were in the military. You traveled the world. You probably accomplished what you had hoped to do and then sought other things. Yeah, I had I, I was I was in the Marine Corps. I was in there for six years. And you're right. I had accomplished a lot of, of what I wanted to do and the reasons I joined. Um, my, my writing career, though, was kind of very much in its infancy at that time. I was mm-hmm. kind of journaling and just, you know, making little short stories in here, but nothing I would ever publish or put out. But the, the, the bigger thing is I was actually a, a big consumer of books. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of, you'll find a lot of writers end up being big readers. And I definitely was in the Marine Corps. I was just constantly consuming one book after another, after another. So mm-hmm. a big, big reader of books. Well, I think that, I know it's a cliche, but readers are leaders. And just think of General Mattis. I mean, he, what did they call him? The, the monk general that yeah. he read more than almost anyone that that ever read but what you learn through reading is it not only does it take you away if it's certain fiction etc it can teach you things and you also gain a vocabulary and an understanding that the world is a really big place with lots of interests that you can then address and and write anything you like correct you know books you know we, we you've always heard the adage you know, you know, when we're growing up, we should always be reading. And I, 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 I teach that to my own children, how the mm-hmm. importance of reading. And sometimes I do think in today's society, it's, it's overlooked or we take it for granted. You know, it wasn't that long ago, how many generations ago, that not everyone could read, mm-hmm. period. You know, the education wasn't there. The school systems and infrastructure weren't there in society for people to do so. Mm-hmm. So it was really a coveted thing. Um, but reading, you're right. Reading is important. It, it can really open your eyes to things and experiences. Uh, it, it, I, I highly recommend it. If people aren't reading, they should be at least try to read, you know, at least one book a month. And I'm not sure if that is, if that's even just fiction, just from a state of, from point of and being entertained, or picking up a nonfiction book, picking up something that's either teaching you history or how to improve yourself or whatever that is. I always highly encourage reading. 
Well, I, I yeah, 100% agree with you because I think reading is becoming a lost art. It is such a detailed way to be able to express emotions and situations and circumstances. And yet I think it, it is in danger these days without encouragement because there's YouTube and there's visual and attention spans that don't seem to hold to longer periods of time. And and I think that's a loss because I think we really do gain from reading, whether, as you said, for entertainment or for learning. But it also is a way to quiet ourselves. And I think the other thing that we're losing in society these days is the ability to self-soothe. And most people plant themselves in front of a screen. Well, you can actually use that time to good effect. Yeah, I would agree. And, and, and it's, you bring up a point um, about uh, – I, I think this – I'll just jump right in this – Anything that's in kind of long form, you actually you get a greater depth and understanding. Yes. Whatever that is, when things mm-hmm. are done in long form, whether it's a book, even an interview, mm-hmm. you see these like really short, you know, two minute interviews. You see them on the news and things like that. Mm-hmm. You're only kind of just glossing or touching the very tips of whatever they're talking about. But Correct. then you have other programs that get into long form interviews of people, long form. Dis- discussions and you really can dive into the real meat, the heart of whatever that's, that's being discussed. Mm -hmm. And you really come away from that truly learning something. So the long forms of anything are always beneficial. If you're truly in the, if you're truly trying to discover or, or expand your mind. Well, to me, it's the superficial, which is everywhere versus the significant. And so it, it really does help. I agree with you. I, I think it's very, very important. And reading, Think about it just with movies. How many times have you heard, oh, the movie just wasn't as good as the book? Well, how could it be? <laughs> yeah, it's impossible for how it to be. How could it be? Yeah, it's impo- I'm working with a screenwriter now. It's, it's impossible. And it's, it, it's, it's, it, you're, you're right on that. I, I, do, I, just, I do want people to understand, though, it's very difficult, though, for a screenwriter to take a book, to take a novel, mm-hmm. and to squish it into an hour and a half to two hours. So it's not really the... It's not the, the the movie producer, or the screenwriter's fault. They, they they're given they're kind of set up to fail. They're they're set up to try to tell a story that's mm-hmm. been written in long form, you know, really great depth, character development, all these things, and then they have to jam it into a very small tight box. Uh, right. What you're seeing today, you're, I know I'm spinning off into movie production and things. No, 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 it's fine. You're you're doing fine. Because I think this is why it's important to to set the stage for why writing offers benefits. Um, When some people could be rolling their eyes right now, but all of the really smart people I know, they read. They may do other things as well, but they read and they have a vocabulary and they understand how to communicate. And I think that's unfortunate in in a world that I, I watch school change from writing essays to multiple choice and then true-false, and it became less and less and less and less. But if you look at someone who can communicate well, whether in writing or speaking, uh, coaching, uh, any form or medium, they're usually really terrific people to be around. I would agree. I think I'm terrific to be around. (laughs) (laughs) And humble. (laughs) Extremely humble. But I I mean that. I think that uh, the superficiality, 140 characters, um, pictures instead of uh, calls, uh, texting. I mean, we are moving into a world that is really, really 
well, not moving into, we are in a world where everything is truncated and sound bites. And that's a shame because that also leads to greater misunderstanding. Well, yeah, look at social media, specifically Twitter. I think the, the reason Twitter has its own environment and it is, is a, a, I think it's a hostile environment, if you ask me. I actually don't even have a Twitter because I just don't think it's, people say you should because you should have all forms of access to communicate with fans and readers. And just, I, I just, because it's so truncated, like you're saying, people can't express themselves. And, and then people at the same time, they're, they're just, it's just, it, the, the entire platform is set up just to almost like yell at each other. And, and, and because it's not long form, because people can't express themselves. And, and then the other, on the other side, people aren't reading it for that. It's, it's such a, I don't know. It's almost like we're devolving in some ways when you look at how it's not almost kind of... we are, <laughs> we are. I mean, I doubt yeah. seriously that there will be, um, on the reading list for, programs and and courses eventually on on some of the social media it's going to stay here though so i think we have to acknowledge that even if you can only write in 140 characters can you do it with some style and some grace some people do some people don't and most don't i would think but writing allows you to express yourself in a way that other things do not so i think it's it's good so how did you get started writing like I said, I've, I was always I've always tinkered with it. Whether I was in high school, I was tinkering with poetry. I was just, I've always been interested in 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 writing, and I've always been kind of a natural storyteller. Is is the only thing I can kind of think. I've always had these stories in my head, playing like movies and mm-hmm. and things like that. And then um, in the Marine Corps, again, I kept tinkering, and then I got out. I kept doing it, and and. It wasn't until like my, the first book I ever, I, I'd ever completed was a children's book, actually, a children's illustrated book that I put out in 2011. It was more of a kind of a legacy thing that I did for my two girls. I would lay in bed with them at night and read them books, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes we'd stop reading and I would tell them stories. I'd make up the stories. And one they really loved was about this dog. Anyway, so I ended up uh, creating that book and I ended up public, getting, it, uh, getting it published. It was self-published. Mm-hmm. And, but what the fascinating thing was, it's like anything in life, it starts with an idea, it starts in the mind and then through effort and action, it ended up, you know, in my hands as, as something physical. Mm-hmm. I remember looking at that. I was like, God, I've always really wanted to write this one novel. And finally, I just made, I finally made up my mind. I was just going to do it. I was going to, but I had to do a mind shift. I had to take myself out of this, this, uh, of, uh, I had to shift and say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to make it a hobby anymore. I'm going to make it a job. This is going to be my second job. Was that a hard decision? Going, no, what? It, it, no, it wasn't. And and and, and I, no, I just said I was going to do it because I, I was like, I can go through life wanting to do something, or I can just make it happen. I didn't have any preconceived things like this is going to turn out to be. It's going to be a blockbuster, a bestseller. It's going to change my life. I just said I don't want to go through life and then be on the other side of life and go. God, I really wish I had done something. I really wish I had done this. I, Finally said, I'm just going to do it. But the only way to make that shift was to take it out of the hobby and turn it into a job. And once I defined it as a job, I then worked at it like a job. And every night I would get done and I just started hammering, hammering away. Well, and, and what you said just made sense. You, you burned the boats. So (laughs) you had to go. And so that way you were contributing and you, you were never going to do it superficially, not if it mattered that much to you. And, and I think it is interesting because it, 
it shows a commitment. And I wonder if part of that discipline didn't come from the Marine Corps and knowing that you had to work to get what you were looking for. Without a doubt, the Marine Corps gave me a lot of discipline on that in that department, as well as the understanding of mindset. There you go. That's perfect. We have to go on our first break, and we will come back and talk further about how do you get published? How do you become, how do you find ideas that make it commercially successful? And how do you also satisfy your creative streak? So we will come back after the break and continue talking with Jeff Hopf. We'll be right back. Don't go away. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. the United States Postal Service successfully ships over 160 billion packages and letters with bills traveling through the mail at twice the speed of checks. Automated sorting machines read zip codes and directs the mail to the proper destination. But last year, they failed to read some 2.4 billion pieces of mail, all because of cacography. That's bad handwriting. So what happens to all that errant mail? The post office hires more than 700 postal clerks to decipher the most difficult ones. When a sorting machine discovers an illegible address, it scans and sends a digital image to the clerk's computers. Amazingly, the average clerk can crack the code in just three seconds. Not everyone can keep up, though, as management at the post office is always pushing the envelope. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion with Jeb Hoff, and I really want to talk about the fact that I think so many people think they can only write privately for themselves because they don't think they'd be commercially viable, or they think they don't have the right ideas, or they're just not willing yet to turn it into a vocation because they've heard so many myths. One of those myths is you'll never make money writing. The second is you'll never get published and the walls will be lined with rejection slips. But things have changed in publishing. There's now self-publishing. There are so many different avenues that some require agents, some do not. You know, you have really made a success of yourself. So you know how it was in the early days and how it has transpired into something different. So when you're starting out writing, but you do want to make it more than just a hobby, or maybe you want to write just one book, it doesn't really matter. But getting published is important to you. How do you get started? Okay, so the, the first thing I want to talk about, and I, I mentor writers, and I'm always there to help anyone that wants to be a writer, wants to write a novel or nonfiction, always available. I make I make sure that's 
a part of my time okay. on a daily basis if I have so. And I'll just okay. say this. Don't worry about the publishing aspect. Even I want to talk about publishing, but don't worry about the publishing aspect unless you have a book. Good point. And, and I'll just say this because people will use that as an obstacle to stop themselves. Mm -hmm. They won't take that step to start writing because they start already thinking about the back end of the process. Right. You don't need to worry about the back end of the process unless you until have that you've thing. got something. Right. And, and so, and so I, I I go back to Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway. I think everyone kind of knows who he is. One of my favorite authors, by the way. Mm -hmm. But he was being interviewed years ago, and he was asked to give the, the, the best advice he could to an aspiring writer, and he was very simple. He just said, just write. Just write. Yep. It's that, it's literally that easy. Just sit down and just start writing. Get all the limited beliefs out of your head. Don't worry about, because you were talking about some things people, and you ever notice the things you were mentioning in, in the beginning part of your question mm -hmm. are all people's own limited beliefs. Is it going to be commercially viable? How do you know unless right. you have the book? Is, right. Am I good at it? How do you know until you have the book? All these things don't matter until you actually have it. And well, so not only start. that, but people think that I, they, they, they try to sit down. And, of, of course, you don't always feel inspired. Some days you will have a block. And other days it will flow like it's supposed to. But you have to have the discipline to get up each day if this is your intent. And write. And as you said, just write. Don't worry about the perfect word choice. You can go back and, and alter that later, refine it. But just writing isn't as easy as it sounds. Talk about some of your stories when you began. Uh, unless you completely found that the words just flowed every single time you sat down to write, that would make you an anomaly. Well, I, I, I do it like this, and I, 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 give them, I give myself permission to always go back and correct the first things I write. Mm -hmm. And so when I tell anyone when I'm advising people or, or mentoring people, just don't worry. It's the rough draft. If this is the rough draft, it's going to be rough. Stop trying to make it perfect mm -hmm. the first go around. Sit down and just start writing, and don't stop until you – hit the end on that book. And what I mean is this, is specifically seasoned writers, experienced writers can go back, they can go and write a chapter and go back, reread it, and do some self-editing. Anyone that's out there that's listening, it's new, don't do that at all. It's the quickest, most sure way that you're going to stop writing, period, mm. you'll never complete the book. Just start writing. Don't worry about it. Just I always say throw up on the page. Just write, 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 write. Don't read anything you've written until you get to the end. And then you, then you can go, then I would suggest saving it. I don't care if this takes six months, a year. Don't read anything you've written. I know this sounds like a crazy concept. Just keep writing and writing and writing. No, because you then, limit yourself. I think you're very wise to say that. Because what happens, I see, I call it the crazy eight. You know, so you imagine a crazy eight, you're on one end, and you're like, the, the person's starting to write, they're writing, they're writing. And then that's self-doubt, all those kind of limited beliefs that might have already been there really start cropping up. The minute they stop, they go back, they start reading, and they go, oh, it's really not that good. Oh, my. And they have no basis for that. There's no base point, whether it's good or not. And, and on, on top of it, it's actually a rough draft. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be issues. There's going to be grammar. And they're like, oh, it's gram grammatically wrong or this. And I, don't worry about, about that. Okay, they, let me they, ask they, you about tools. through the process, and then they, they end up getting – the self-doubt turns into frustration, and then they usually just stop. They, right. they, they stop writing. Right. But let me ask you about tools because obviously self-publishing has become a big thing. And so there's a big business built around here's an outline so you can character develop. Here's an outline to tell you how your storyline is going to go. Are those tools helpful for the first-time writer? 
See, I'm, I'm, I fall into the camp where Stephen King is, and, uh, <laughs> and that is that I don't believe in outlines at all. Okay. I'm, I'm, a very, I'm an organic or process writer, and okay. I, I do take notes. I don't go through the whole like, – in creative writing classes and courses, they'll, they'll go through an outline, mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll, you have to like, have the entire story already plotted out over you know numerous page outline. I and know I think people for who new, do that. Yep. I, I, but what I find it can do is if you're if you're writing a novel, it, it can be can it can constrict, can confine right. the creative process. Mm-hmm. Because in the back of your head it goes, I'm I'm really here flowing, the words are coming out of you, and then I I'll have this. I'm just writing and flowing and characters. A new character will come to mind. I don't know where a person comes from. Right. This character comes to mind. Or I'm at this point in the story and all of a sudden it's, I, the, it's like the characters drive the story. Right. Not I've me. heard people say that, it, that, that, that the story almost writes itself and, it and goes in places that you never anticipated. It does. And that's why it, the, the problem then with the outline, if it's very strict, is you're saying I can't do it because my outline. Then the writer, specifically the new writer, became, can become hostage to the outline. That's a good point. And st- instead of allowing the creative process just to just flow, mm-hmm. they, they, they still stop themselves and go back and refer to the to the outline and go, no, no, I can't do that. And I say, let all that go. So I, what I do is I just take notes. I okay. usually already have the first scene. I write the first chapter down. I also write the ending down, but I give myself permission through the entire thing to always change the ending. I'm never beholden to anything in the book, but I just okay. let it all just flow as I'm writing. And Stephen King will make a point. He goes, I can always pick up a novel. I can read it. I can tell if the book had an outline or not. Really? That's 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 what he that's what that's what the old Mr. Stephen King claims. So um, I can't say that I feel that way, but that's how he feels. He feels there's a so lot. So maybe of it feels like it's more formulaic. Yeah, I think that's where he's coming from, and uh, I, I so I've just taken that advice, and I just one I also I find outlines would be very boring. I think the writing process is a lot of fun, specifically when you kind of really tap into that creative process and the words are just kind of flowing out of you. I find outlines to be a kind of an analytical thing, not a mm-hmm. creative thing. Mm-hmm. Well, right brain, left brain. Yes. No, I think so. And so is the editorial process. That's why stopping and getting yourself out of the creative process and going into the and, – and you start editing, you're shifting from left brain, right brain, or whatever the, whatever it goes. That's but right. You're shifting it. Well, it's also stopping you. Yes, and, and, and that's why it's the worst thing for a, a new writer. Again, seasoned writers might be trained they can do so. Like Hemingway was known for that. He would write during the day, and then the next morning he would get up, he would read what he'd written the day before. Now, again, he was experienced. He could do that, and it never stopped him. But a new writer, that can really stop them in their tracks, so that self-doubt tends to rise up and really so become I'm, overwhelming. What I'm hearing, though, is that you read about writers. So you knew about different styles of writers and what they did and how they did it. Was that helpful to you? Absolutely. I think it's important. I, 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 I like to read about people that are successful across all, all forms and different industries mm-hmm. and you know, specifically people that have come from nothing and become self-made. Mm-hmm. I like to I, I, I use their little tricks and whatever they try to do, their life hacks, you want to say, and, mm-hmm. and model and try to model what they've done. Um, versus going to a course uh, by instead of going to a creative writing course, and the the teacher of the creative writing course has maybe one book out, has maybe sold only his family members. I'm like, that's not a success to me. It's great to teaching a class, but mm-hmm. I want to I want to I want to learn from people that are actually doing it and have been successful at it. 
Well, and what you were talking about earlier is that you mentor writers. That's a very different word than train or teach writers. Mentoring them allows the innermost uh, creative process to come out because it's already inside them. Whereas a course training can be, again, formulaic and guide you in a way that might be restrictive. I never thought of it that way. But, yeah, because I think we all have our own there, – there are things I can coach them on. But really, it's they'll end up figuring out on their own. They're using their own personality, their own work you know, ethics and whatnot to make it work for them. Now, not everyone will want to write for commercial success. But sometimes there are – times you you want to write because you're trying to leave a legacy or you're you're telling a story that your family may not know or an experience that you went through and yet the process is the same isn't it i i would always i always advocate everyone i've ever talked to to always write for commercial success i think if you already set yourself up like i don't care if it does well then that you that that typically that minimizes up, it that minimizes the fact that you even want to promote it in the back end okay Promotion of a promotion is 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 also just as hard as the, as creating the book. You have to very much have the desire, a burning desire, to promote what you've just created, and you have to believe in it. So because you can always tell someone when they're someone is a good salesperson when they truly believe in their product. Oh, it shows. Otherwise, it's it, inauthentic. Right. Yeah. So if you don't really believe in what you've written, you're really not going to go out there and promote it. And if you've already set yourself up mentally to think, I could care less whether it sells or not, well, more than likely, it's probably not going to. Interesting point. Very good. In terms of taking your first stab at something, do you find that writers tend to take a really giant idea and go with it? Or do they do like you did and start with a children's book, something you were passionate about? And then move to bigger works. I, I would just, I, I think people should do, I think they should write what they want to write. Mm-hmm. If you, I, I wanted to write a children's book, and that was just my journey. If someone wants to write an, like this epic, you know, eight book series, and each book is like George Martin's, you know, like a thousand pages <laughs> per book. I say swing, I say swing for it, swing, go for it. Right. You know, but then hold yourself accountable that that's what you're doing. You know, once you set that goal, go for it. Don't don't start setting the goal and then start working your way back as you start to find obstacles in that. There's always obstacles. Things are it, writing a book is hard. It's tough, tough, and so don't people shouldn't expect it's going to be easy. But if you've got a goal, set that goal and then stick to it and hold yourself accountable. No, that's an excellent advice. And we're going on another break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about a little more about the process of writing, and then talk about the. The process that you have found is most helpful for people and traditional and self-publishing advantages and disadvantages. There's so much to talk about here, but we'll take it step by step. We are talking today to Jeff Hoff about veterans and publishing and stories and entrepreneurship, and we'll be back after the break. Stay with us. There's more to come. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bonafide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way. This was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions, where a doggy orthodontist prescribed him a set of braces. And now, pictures of Wesley smiling with his bright, shiny braces have been circling the Internet. With all that metal wrapped around their teeth, some would think that most dogs would become bruxelmaniacs, but not Wesley. He doesn't mind the braces at all and is now able to eat his food with gusto. A bruxelmaniac is someone with an uncontrollable urge to grind their teeth. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back, and we're going to talk now about publishing. Because there are many options these days that that give people choices in terms of what they wish to do, more control over their titles, and the whole process itself. So, Jeff, talk about the the difference between traditional publishing versus self-publishing and the advantages and disadvantages for either one. All right. So uh, traditional publishing is what has been around for a long, long time. That is where you've got a publishing house and probably one of the one of two ways to gain access to the publishing house is either through an agent. Mm-hmm. That is somebody that actually will represent you. And they have they have all the contacts to all the people inside these ivory towers in New York City. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you uh, or you can, there were some smaller publishing houses will have means that you can submit you can submit unsolicited manuscripts to them. Okay. There, and, um, uh, there's lots of advantages to them and that mainly falls on distribution, by the way. Okay. Distribution mm-hmm. is really big and that's, that's the importance of going with the mainstream publisher. Self-publishing, you know, Jeff Bezos and Amazon, uh, they're definitely, they, they, they revolutionize publishing. They revolutionize getting books out to, to the masses, to the readers, to the consumer. It started with when he created the e-reader called a Kindle. And everyone's, mm-hmm. I'm sure, heard of a Kindle. When that was created, he then at the same time saw the ability that he's not just going to sell books as well as he created the e-book, but he's also going to create a platform for people to get their books to directly to the consumer, cutting out the middleman, which is the traditional publisher, mm-hmm. and that is, and there therein lies then the kind of the self-publishing revolution. You've just seen 
it's a, a huge explosion and content that's out there nowadays. Some mm-hmm. is really good and some is just horrible stuff. Um, mm-hmm. um, now, traditional publishing, um, I've got I've, I've got both. I'm considered a hybrid in the industry, meaning I've got I've got contracts with mainstream traditional publishers like Penguin Random House, Blackstone Publishing, things like that. Mm-hmm. I also now have my own publishing house where essentially I just, I've just duplicated what the main, what the big boys do. And I just hired my own team and I just self publish my own books that way. Mm-hmm. And it allows, it allows me to garner a, a lion's share of the royalties that are mm-hmm. available for my books. Um, now self publishing is very easy to do. I, it might seem daunting, but once you understand how it works, it's actually very, very easy to do. But it does rely on the individual to do the heavy lifting, and that is to make sure they find proofreaders, editors, do their own cover design, things like that. So they have to do all that heavy lifting themselves. That Otherwise, if your manuscript ended up with a big traditional publisher, they handle that. They have a team mm-hmm. of people that that, that that does all that work for you. But, of yep. course, they do it at a cost, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're going you're gonna to lose most of your royalties to them because, because they handle that. Now, the other advantage I think I mentioned of traditional publisher is, is mainly distribution. Distribution, right. right. Yeah, pe- people have these dreams like, I want to see my book sitting in a Barnes & Noble. And maybe your local Barnes & Noble, if you're self-published, will put your book on the shelves in the local author section. But if you want your books in every single Barnes & Noble around the United States, the Airports. only way to do so, yeah, exactly, wherever <laughs> books are sold, yeah, right. really, wherever books are sold is through a mainstream publisher. That's it. Okay. Um, because they have those, they have those channels. They can otherwise, your a self-published book is really only is really only going to be available through again in local bookstores if you just kind of you know make that happen yourself, or electronically, or you know, or it can be purchased. You know, the physical book can be purchased online and then delivered through like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and other other kind of uh, online retailers. Talk um, about electronic books. Have they revolutionized in terms of being able to sell more books too? Uh, totally. Absolutely. We'll look at the convenience of an electronic book. I can tell right. you this, this, my numbers and my numbers are comparable to other you know, authors out there. 65% of all my sales are electronic books. Doesn't that says a lot. Me. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's convenience and portability. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then you've got print versions that whether you're hardback trade, you know, trade or mass market mm-hmm. paperbacks, those are kind of, they, those come on next. And then audiobooks are also a big format. Yes. We started out small. They're gaining in the past. I started out for me around 5% of my sales mm-hmm. were audiobooks. Now it's in 15 and growing. And that's a I, big I, number. Okay. It's, it's going to over audio will overtake print. And eventually this is my belief. And it's hard for people in our generations to understand this, but I think in a couple of generations, print versions of books will, will be gone. Not to say there won't be some books available. It's just that it, like you and I and probably your listeners, they go, oh, I like the feel of a book. I get it. That's nostalgia. I read everything off my iPad these days. See, but I'm st- I've converted too, right? I'm right. slowly converting, but yet we still in the back of our mind have that nostalgia. I love it. Right. Yeah. Our but I can make the print bigger on my iPad. See, there's, and, and you can have the, with the black screen in the back, right? We're at yes. night, we're night, like the night screen and all these other yes. advantages that the e-readers have. Correct. But our children and grandchildren won't have the nostalgia for print. And eventually I think that it'll just, they're going to go away. Except for I, a few, I don't a few know books that here and there. children's books will ever go all the way away. Except those. Yes, yes. I, I'm no, I hear about... what you're saying. But even things like textbooks, 
some things you're, you're just better off having in your hands to highlight. Uh, although we've got more and more options on uh, e-readers as well, where you can highlight and email those to yourself. But I still think context depends on what it is you're trying to do something. You know, something very technical you want it in front of you to reference again and again and again. And, and frankly, we're wrecking our eyes. But I love to read enough that I'm willing to do that. So that's interesting about the electronic books. I'm not at all surprised because I think that that is a growing thing. The other thing is people are downsizing. And I, I've given away cartons of books, shelves of books, libraries of books. And I despise doing it, but I needed the space. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm the same way. I've donated a lot of books to the library just because I just don't want them. And now I've got them on, on you know, on my right. on my e-readers now. Um, but there's also will be an argument, and this isn't my argument. There's also going to be an argument too, as far as like when you look at the carbon footprint of print books versus digital, right? Yes. Yes. Look at all the energy that has to be consumed, right, to, to in order to create a print book. It's a lot of energy, a lot mm-hmm. of raw materials that have to be just to have that same thing. Where electronic, it's done. Right. Your, your editor, it's completely finished. It's formatted. It's ready to go. You just hit publish. And yeah, but you know, I have a question everyone. about that. I, I am one of those people that typos and edits that weren't made correctly um, jump off a page at me. It's, it's very handy to have. It annoys other people. But it, I don't think the formatting is okay when it goes on to electronic sometimes, when it's been written. I mean, I have contacted several people on LinkedIn when they've had books published and the electronic version comes out and it's broken up and unreadable in terms of the sentence structure and the, it just, it took the written book, but didn't translate it and make it mobile friendly, if that's the right term. Yeah. And now there could be, there's, there it could, there could be a couple of reasons for that. You know, if these people self published and they could have edited it themselves or formatted it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why if people are going to do the self publishing route, uh, they get a, actually hire a, someone who knows how to format Correct. for eBooks. Now it doesn't matter the font changes either. It will still continue that format. I know what you're talking about. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. I've had those issues too before, and it came down to formatting issues. That doesn't surprise um, me, but it's very annoying as a reader when you buy something and it's supposed to be reading, and then you get caught up in. Well, I agree. Uh, and, I, uh, I've had, and I've, I've been had bad a proofreader. I've been a proofreader and editor for a trilogy of books, and it's amazing what you can find and and what you need to pe- pay attention to. Um, I have great respect for people who do that full time. Yeah, the last thing, last thing a writer wants to do is distract the reader. You're creating right. a product for the end consumer to read, and, and it's for them to have an experience. And that that experience is broken up when when there's typos, that kind of stuff is you know, as well as technical issues like it's not been formatted correctly. It well, throws it'll off kill experience. you in reviews. It oh, will kill and, you and, in reviews. Although I have to say that I don't trust reviews anymore either. <laughs> Because I think there's too many review farms, and I have bought books that are four and a half to five stars, and I thought, you've got to be kidding. This doesn't even – it has typos in it. Um, And and Wall Street Journal did a big article on that, uh, that, uh, for products mostly, 
And I actually put it in the con- comment section, yes, but same thing happens with books. Oh, and, without a doubt. And, totally. and so it, I find that terribly frustrating because if I have purchased this book, I can't return it. It's an e-reader. Oh, you actually can return those, by the way. <laughs> Seriously? You have to go into your – yeah, you can. <laughs> Not if yeah, you on Amazon, Amazon. See if you got a – no, you can. You can go on Amazon and in your digital, like in your orders, and you go to digital orders. There's a there's a place in there you can return books. Interesting. I will have to look at that because sometimes it's been very disappointing. But all I've done now is not pay attention to the reviews because I'll read the two star review. Yeah, I do the same five thing. Star. I th- <laughs> yeah, I, I always read one and two star reviews. I because any right. product I buy because I just want to see what's happening there. And then if it's a if it's a review that's subjective, like that it's in like the story of like whatever, like it, well, that's, that's, that's neither here nor there. But if it's got technical issues, that's the glaring one. That's the ones I look for. Or the ones that say this is so poorly written, I wouldn't waste my time. And I think, whoa, okay. Then the four and five star ones were either you know avid fans, uh, or they were paid to do that. Unfortunately, fraud sneaks into everything in terms of any industry whatsoever, but, but that is unfortunate in reading and it is. books and, and publishing. I, I really do, because I think it, it harms everyone unnecessarily. So talk about the distribution, and then we have a final break, and we'll come back and continue on that. Uh, yeah, so the distribution part, I mean, so the, th- those are the advantages for your traditional publishers, mainly distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you're getting a team of people to, in the editorial process and the proofing and all that. You're getting a, a team of people, and if it's a big publishing house, you're, you've got a solid team of experienced people behind you. Self-publishing, the advantages are just you, you, you have all the control but also all the responsibility to make sure you turn out a professional product. Right. Um, and some people don't want that. And, and so you just have to weigh those odds. But getting into a traditional publisher is very difficult. It's not easy. It's very, very difficult. No, it is. And that's um, where you hear about people wallpapering their apartments with rejection slips, um, at which, which is a daunting process in and of itself. We have a final break we're coming up to, so I I don't want to ask you further questions right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the importance of mindset. If you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to write and become an author, and this is a goal for you, your mindset and how you set up each day and end each day is going to be very important. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this message. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. 
So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Have a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Bien in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lovers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate love lolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We are talking now about the importance of mindset. I, I think we can all agree that writing is a very solitary pursuit much of the time. You're in your head. You're trying to get what's in your head out onto the page or screen, and it can be very, very solitary. But there are ways that you, I'm sure, can share with us how you set your mindset to be positive and writing and disciplined and intentional in writing each day or whatever schedule you choose to write on. Uh, you know, going back to that, that this is the importance, this is, this shows how powerful um, our minds are. And, and just by defining something one way makes you then look at it differently. And going back to the story where I decided to write that novel, mm-hmm. I, shifted in my mind that it was not it was no longer going to be a hobby because how do we define hobbies right it's something we do here and there you know it's but how do we define a job and and mm-hmm. they're they're defined differently in our minds and we act differently when we look at it that way and so by making that shift in the mind i know without a doubt enabled me to then when i treated when it was a job it, then it, I was like, I had to be at my job when the, when the kids are in bed and it was a certain, I sat down to do my second job. And mm-hmm. I think that was how I was able to finish that first book. And you just said second job. That's very important to people. I think sometimes people think I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to write a book. I'm guessing that you kept your job until you saw that you could make a success out of this and then you shifted. Am I right? Correct. Yes. I think it would be, I mean, you're talking about burning the ships. I think that story is about Cortez, right? I mean, that it would is. be, that would be, you know, I mean, that's like, yeah. Um, I, yes. And so I, I, I went through that process. Uh, I, I made that shift in the mind. I was, I know without a doubt, enabled me to finish the book during that time. I ended up getting an agent, very fortunate. And then during, and then during that time, that relationship wasn't working out because she wanted to change things, mm-hmm. um, which I wasn't going to. And I hit the self publish button on that, but the mindset was, 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 was critical. And then when that book took off, was when I decided I knew without a doubt, and this is a very risky for people to think. I knew that I, if I didn't get a sequel out in a, in a, in a, in a prompt manner, 
then I, I could lose this door, this opportunity, this door of opportunity is wide open for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I quit my job. I was only able to, I printed out the spreadsheet of the first month's royalties presented to my wife. Because I first said, I, I think I need to quit the job. She's like, whoa, whoa time out. You know, <laughs> so, I don't think so. And I was like, and I was like, well, here's the royalties. Like, what? It's like three times what I was making. And that was just in one month. And but that isn't goes, the norm, is it? It's, I, 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 no, it's not. And still to the day, I don't know why the book, my first book took off. I, I don't know. It, it, it clearly resonated with people and it's, I, 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 I don't consider it literature at all. I consider it just entertainment. Uh, and no, the, that's, by the way, that's good. That's what people are seeking an escape. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, and what's interesting is that's some, that's a, Another thing, I, I go throughout my life with the mindset thing, as far as I define things in, in, in certain ways, then I don't, and I, so for like that, I consider my books entertainment, not literature. Mm -hmm. I do. I'm there to entertain people. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm a storyteller. I go out and I create compelling, interesting, fun, thrilling stories that people can kind of lose themselves in. Right. I've never been, and I'm not saying that someone can't define, like, I want to write the next great piece of literature. I'm like, great, go for that, because that's mm -hmm. their journey, not mine. Right. I don't define any, what anyone else is doing. I don't like to judge at all, because that's their expression, their experience, and they should right. totally go for it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think if you're ever doing things, define what that's going to be, and then, and then put a lot of action behind it. So everything starts in the mind with an idea, like, you're going to do something, then set that goal, then you put as much energy behind it as possible. And kind of the mental exercises I go through every day is I, one, I wake up, and this is what the importance of mindset for me. I constantly wake up, and I, the first thing I think about is all the blessings and gratitude I have for everything. There you go. Life. Okay. I think that's so, uh, uh, and I, it, it sets me up for the day thinking in a very, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a happy person, right? Because I, I look around me, I, everyone can, can think of negative things all, all the time. But if you think of negative things all the time, you end up being a negative person. But if you think of positive things all the time, you end up, it just, you, you conduct yourself in a different manner. I'm not saying that bad things don't happen, but it's also how you define those things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I look at every bad thing. I know this, this will blow people's minds. I look at everything that happens and it's not good for me as an opportunity. I well, define it. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Yes. No, no exactly. You know, I teach this to I teach this to my kids all the time. I tell them like, I don't care if you fail. Mm -hmm. I care how you react when you do. Mm -hmm. It's your reaction to the failure says everything about the individual. You know, it, we, we're all going to fail in life. Now, what do you do when it happens? That's the biggest thing. Do you quit? No, because you're only people. People like to define failure and defeat as the same thing, and they're not. Mm -mm. Failure is just that you just you you had an obstacle or you ran into something. Defeat is only done when you make the choice to stop pursuing what you're doing. Then right. you're defeated. But the only person that can defeat you is you. I That's know I'm true. going in kind of a lot of this kind of stuff, but I, I've, I've set my life up just like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of that comes from the Marine Corps and kind of not quitting and pursuing and then fighting to the end. And, and I think that I've really translated that into my life. And then again, looking at other people that have been successful, um, they kind of mirror them. Mm -hmm. I remember... The there was a writer named Stephanie Meyer. She wrote the Twilight series, you know, the, you know, the, the vampires and things mm -hmm. like that. Now, I never read the books, but I remember reading about her kind of her, her origin and kind of how she got started as a writer and then how she was successful. And she was 
she did certain things along the path. I was like, that's really sound stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I, I, I adopted what she was doing and then implemented into my, my business life as a writer. And so, mm-hmm. it, I, yeah, so I think it's important for people out there to have a positive mindset and then, mm-hmm. then, then discover people that are successful in the space or just successful. And then see how, how are they successful? Why are they successful? 100 out of 100, it has to deal with everything between their ears. It's their mindset, mm-hmm. how they view the world, how they react to things. All of it is in their mind. I would venture to say how they respond versus how they react. Yes. I said, thank you for saying Yeah, That's a better That's a better word. I agree. You know, it's, it's funny because I think that the other thing that reading does and, and writing as well is that it allows you to express exactly what you're trying to say. And it's really a gift because especially Americans, we tend to use, what is it, 2,500 words in our vocabulary? And yet there's all these rich, wonderful words that can be used that are very expressive that aren't necessarily big words. They're just wonderful words. Mm-hmm. And I, my children love to read, and I, I think that is something that is viewed. You know, more is caught than taught, and I think that starting off people reading, it's a gift that we can pass on. And so your writing will carry on. It'll be your legacy. It will be here long after you are not. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I push that. I, that's something else I teach my girls, and that is always be, in the, always be creating mm-hmm. and always be growing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know they like to, they're, they're like watching TV stuff and they like to consume stuff. And I'm, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm, I like to consume, you know, you know, pop culture stuff all the time too. But I've been trying to really drill into their head. It's like someone created that though. And I said, I would love to see you not just maybe spend half your time, maybe consuming and the other half creating. And you know, be, what be, is their response? They like it. And then they, they, so I, it's, it's not like I have to, t- I can teach them once. It's a, it's just a, this is a of repetitive course. thing. I have to always keep drilling in their head. So be the creator, be the one that's maybe creating those television shows you're watching or that video or that game, be the creator. Mm-hmm. Everyone that has abundance in life are creators. That's they're, true. They're coming up with an idea and then they're creating it. And then, and then and it, and usually it adds value. In, in our in our lives, whether it's a little widget or whatever it is, everything has been created, and everything you look everything when you look around you, everything was started out as an idea. It means it started in the mind, and then people put action behind it, and now it exists today. Which is so interesting when you think about just words randomly in, in a line is so different than something that is written in a way that describes a situation or a character or emotions or the situation at hand. It's actually magical the way words come together in books. I want to make sure our listeners know where to find out more information. I mentioned it at the very beginning of the show. Your website is gmichaelhopf.com, and your books are there, and your story is there, and you know, anything else you'd like to add that we have not touched on today in terms of what you're really hoping to provide to fellow veterans and, and military families? Because there's a lot of military spouses who write, too. And it's really interesting because there's a growing literature base or publishing base, I should say, of books by people who've lived really interesting, diverse lives. Well, I think every one of us is a storyteller. 
mm-hmm. somewhere in there. And you, when you first mentioned that, you know, earlier on, you talk about people start, they start having those questions and all those questions always are negative, mm-hmm. limited thinking kind of things. Like, is this going to be, so if anyone's listening, they want to write, do exactly what Hemingway said, just sit down in your computer. By the way, you don't need any special equipment. No, you just need a computer and a word document. You don't need anything else. People, people are blown away. Like, so what do you have this program and all this? And like, nope, <laughs> I just have a cheap Dell laptop. I, I, could, I consider them almost disposable, right? They're so cheap. Just a cheap Dell laptop. Not a lot of bells and whistles on it. Words on it and the ability to access the internet. That's all that I need to make uh-huh. 32 books I have today. And, and so anyone's listening, if you've got a story to tell, which I know most of you do, don't put all that other negative stuff out of your head. Don't worry about the publishing. Don't worry about any of that. Just sit down and start writing your story and don't stop until you're finished. I'll tell you, just that one accomplishment, one, will put you in a, a you know, it, out there is a few percent as have actually completed a book. Now it's in rough format, but still it's there. You've completed it. Mm-hmm. Celebrate that. Then wake up the next day and then start the heavy lifting of doing some rewrites. Start that process. But Sit down and just start writing. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about agents and publishing houses and editors. And the, Just tell your story. Get it on the page. Don't worry about how long does it have to be. How long should the chapter be? I, I get asked all these questions. Like, don't worry. Just write it. All, the other, all that stuff will be worked out in the back end. The funny get part the is out. I think you just brought everything right down to the heart. This is about storytelling. And it's, it's gifting that story out outside of your head and it's gifting it to the world which is really quite a wonderful thing to be able to do thank you for sharing your wisdom your talents and your passion about writing to our military audience i think it's really important that people know they do have a story to tell and please if you do just write it down thanks for listening to us today we'll be back next week with some more interesting guests and topics to talk about make it a great week ahead Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance